0: Hey, have a seat. Good morning. Uh, any, any animal lovers in the house? That, you know, the ones who post pictures of puppies on Facebook, those of you, right? Okay, I'm, I'm not an enormous animal lover, but about a year after my husband and I got married many years ago, we bought a puppy. We bought a dog, it's before we had kids. We bought a dog. Now, this dog was amazing, very intelligent. Um, Taught it to do things like I would look at the dog and I would say bang and it would fall over like it was dead. Um, Amazing, amazing dog. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, his name was Casey. He'd gotten really old and he passed away. And we went into this deep grieving mode, right? We'd had this dog for years. Uh, It's the dog my kids had grown up with, you know, We loved this dog and he passed away. And I, the voice of reason in my family, said to them, let's not rebound relationship and rush into another dog. We're so sad. We've lost Casey. But let's just pause. Because y'all know it's never good when a relationship ends and you try and pick up another one. You always end up going through a couple of whack jobs before you find another good one, correct? You know this. So I said, this dog, we need to step back. Let's not rush into buying another dog. Did they listen? (laughs) mm Nope. So in fact, in order to alleviate and to uh, um, soothe, our grieving hearts. Uh, my husband went online looking for dogs on sale and came across not one but two dogs because that's what it takes. It takes two crazy ones to make up for the one right one. And I, again, I say, don't do this. Do not do this. This is not a good idea. He does it. He's kind of got a mind of his own, which is fine. Uh, I love him. But brings home these two dogs. These dogs I think we have a picture of him. Do you have a picture of him? no 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 see you're being deceived as well i see it you the same thing just happened to you that happened to my family when they saw these pictures they looked at these pictures and they thought these pictures screamed buy me bring me home i'm so little i'm three inches tall i'm so cute not the case We brought these dogs home. Make no mistake, these three-inch creatures could leap 30 feet. These things, I assure you, were possessed by the enemy himself. Um, Now, later we learned you should never buy two dogs at the same time. They tell you apparently they bond with each other and not to you, and they become somewhat wild. So they were sort of like rodents running, around the house. And one day I came home and I went into our bedroom and I had these tall brown leather boots that I loved. And I, excuse me, it just makes me angry not to talk about it now. Um, I reached down to pick up one of the boots, incidentally not the ones I was wearing yesterday for those of you wondering, um, you'll know why. I reached down to pick up the leather boot in my hand um, went into something soft. <laughs> and I pulled my hand out of my boot, and it was covered with what I knew to be everything that had been inside those dogs. Those little runts had gone, and they're little, tall boot. So you know they're only doing it out of spite because they would have to crawl up and mount that boot in order to get inside and relieve themselves of everything that was inside of them. So now, maybe your first reaction might be, I have crap on my hands, I should go wash it off. Not my first reaction. My first reaction was, I told my family this would happen. I'm gonna go find my family and let them share this experience with me. (laughs) So I, Call to the other room, I'm like, Jeff, babe. He comes into the kitchen, sees me, and the look on my face, I hold out my hand that has dog poop on it. And he, he sort of surmises, he's like two plus two, he runs, he runs to one side of the island in our kitchen. <laughs> and I'm on the other side, and I go, oh, you better run. And I am chasing my man. Around the island in our kitchen, our three children are coming upstairs watching mommy and daddy. As I am yelling, I am going to, and I'm going to filter for you, this crap is going all over you. And I know I'm adding hours upon hours of therapy to my kids' life (laughs) that I am ultimately going to have to pay for. I was so mad. Now, I didn't, again, I have limits to how much scarring I want to do in their life, so I did not pick up those rods and punt them across the yard like I wanted to. But my family started to agree with me that perhaps we had rushed in to this decision. We ultimately ended up uh, giving those dogs away. We were like, take the dogs. Gave them away. Went through three more dogs Of the same nature, Um, my family unwilling to heed the wise words that mama had presented. See, how many times in your life have you known? It's that voice in your head that says, don't do it, don't do it, or you should do it, and you didn't listen, and it did not go well, did it? And you knew it at the time. You could feel it inside of you. Do not take another step forward. But you took another step forward and it blew up in your face. And you think, why? Why do I do this? It's because we ask ourselves this question all of the time. Is that the Holy Spirit or is that myself? How do I know if God is really talking to me so yesterday morning I told you to take the risk last night I said hold the truth today I want you to understand how to know the voice of God know the voice I want to take you to an Old Testament passage in one Samuel it's probably a story you've heard uh, many many times uh, about a boy named Samuel a boy named Samuel who was growing up in the temple assisting a priest named Eli now I want to take you and we're going to start in verse one Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now, in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel, yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you. Eli replied, go back to bed. So he did. Verse 6, then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he'd never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called us before. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak. Your servant is listening. And God would give a word to Samuel to deliver to Eli, and God would continue to give messages to Samuel, who would grow up to be a prophet to the people of Israel. It would be Samuel that would anoint David as king. Now when I've heard this story before, I've often asked myself, why did it take Samuel three times? Why why did it take him that long? See, we read though in the passage that he was young and it said he didn't yet know the Lord, and I think when you're new to faith, you have to learn the voice of God. When you've only followed your own voice or the voices of other people, it's hard to know what God's voice sounds like because I can assure you, God's voice is not louder than all the others. It's just radically different. It's just different. And you have to learn to sort it out from all the other many voices. And the more you grow in Him, the more you know his voice, and Samuel just didn't know him well yet. Which then leads us to the question, well, why on earth did Eli not know? The priest, the spiritual leader, how did he not know the very first time that it was God talking? Because he's not new to faith. And after three times, it finally occurs to him, and he says to Samuel, oh, it must be God. Well, The word that God gave to Samuel was actually regarding Eli. In verse 11, then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I vow that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Basically, God says to Samuel, hey, go tell the one that's raising you, go tell your boss that I'm gonna take him out. That's the first word that God gives to Samuel. See, I think it took Eli three times to know it was the voice of God because Eli had wandered from the faith. And he had allowed his sons and his family to start worshiping other idols and wandering will always strip you of wisdom. The further you get from the voice of God, you, you can't hear it, it's hard to recognize, to be able to decipher amidst all the other noise. And many of you, you've been Christians for a long time, but you struggle how to know when God speaks You struggle knowing how to make a decision. How do I know this? Last night I stood in here for an hour afterwards and talked to a number of you struggling with how to hear God's voice, with how to know whether to make this decision or that decision, this major or that major, this calling or that calling, and it's perfectly normal, but it's amazing to me how often we can grow up inside of christianity and be unable to discern the voice of god because the length of your relationship does not determine the depth you can have a long relationship and have it be very very shallow you can have a short relationship and have it be very very deep all dependent upon whether you have leaned in And learn to decipher the different, really on a daily basis. So whether you're new to faith, and some of you are new to faith, some of you are not yet in faith. I don't pretend to think that all of you have given your lives to Jesus. I don't pretend to think that at all. Some of you are not new to faith or not in faith. You're just new to growth. You accepted salvation, but you haven't surrendered to shepherding. And so you don't know the voice of God. I want to help you with that today. Can I give you some encouragement, though, from Jeremiah 33.3? Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God says... The God of the universe that created all of you that knew you before you were born says, if you call to me, I will tell you those things you do not yet know. He promises he will talk to you. Now some of you are thinking, I've been calling out. I've been calling out, Heather, and I don't hear anything. I got nothing. I got a whole lot of confusion. I get it. I do. So for the next few minutes, we're going to get really practical I'm probably not gonna be a whole lot of inspirational today. I'll do that tonight and tomorrow morning, it'll be fine. Today, we're gonna get really, really practical. And I really want to help you understand how to hear the voice of God. Because in the church, people tell you, surrender to God, listen to God, and they don't tell you how. And do you know that God talks to each one of you differently? You're all created differently. You've got the head people and the heart people, and you've got the feelings people, and all of us that are so radically different, and God talks to you in the language that you speak. God is multilingual. It's a beautiful thing. I want to give you four different hearing God personality types, if you will, whatever whatever you want to call them, ways you hear the word from God. The first one is that some of you in this room are what I would like to call a hearer, like Samuel. People who are hearers, they seem to have a direct line to God, an, un- an uncanny ability to hear his voice every day. People who are hearers, it's almost like you can audibly hear him in your heart and your mind. It's like you could almost say, I heard God say, and, and you, you know the words. Hearers are good listeners. Hearers often keep a journal to write down the words that they hear. Hearers can often point to a moment in time that they know they heard something from the Lord, and it is what grounds them. So when confusion comes, they go, well, I'm really confused, but I remember that I heard that I wrote down, and you'll go back and you'll read in your journal, but I remember this, and it was so real in that moment, and it tethers you. It tethers you to the voice of God. Now, if you are a hearer, you probably tend to cling tightly to Scripture and the Word of God. They're written words. It's much like a journal to you. you. You hold fast to that. It is very dear to you. Here's how you can grow if you suspect you might be a hearer. Um, I would tell you to develop a system of documenting what you hear. If you don't journal start or do voice memos on your phone, go back and review what you know God has said in order to build your faith. A way to grow as a hearer is throughout the course of your day, discipline yourself, teach yourself to do what Samuel did, and say the words, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Write it down. Put it somewhere where you see it. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. When you don't know what to do, when you feel confused, when you're sitting in your car, when you're sitting in in your room, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Hearers, also, if if you are a hearer, Please know that not everything you've heard from God, necessarily, everyone else needs to hear. Let me give you, an, let me give you a uh, two, I'll give you a serious example and a funny one. A serious one. You see someone, um, making a choice in life and you don't think it's right and you don't think they should and you've taken it on as your personal mantle and responsibility to call them out on every living thing they do. And you will lose your voice if you don't save your voice and learn to share only the battles that you choose to pick. Let me give you a funny one. Um, And this is for free, ladies. Some of you, You look across campus, and you see this guy, and you feel like you got a word from the Lord that God said, there's your man for the rest of your life. Please don't tell him that. Please don't say, well, I know you're supposed to be my husband. If he has not asked you out, you might have heard wrong. I'm just suggesting. (laughs) And vice versa. I mean, no, not trying to pick on the women. I've just seen it too much. No. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you're not a hearer. Maybe you are more of a second kind a person i maybe you are a knower you're a knower you use your senses and you just know have you ever met someone that just seems to know the right thing to do all the time they're so irritating they literally just seem to know and they just do the right thing and everything they do seems to turn out well and god seems to bless it and it's so frustrating and they know that they know Knowers seem to have this really great, strong sense, this intuition, if you will, that just tells them the right way to go. And you know what? Knowers can actually do things that are in contrast to how they feel. They go, Well, I feel this way, but I know I should do this. It's a knower. And knowers may not even really be able to fully back up what they know. They might say, well, I know you should do this. I know I should do that. And when you say, how do you know? They go, I don't know. I just do know. I have no evidence. I have no reason. I have nothing to point to. All I can tell you is that I know that's the right thing to do. Knowers build a history of knowing God, what God says, and, and just doing what he said. So they, they know what the right thing is to do, and they do it. And it's like this mark on a timeline. Then the next time, they know the right thing to do. God kind of speaks it into their gut, right? And so they do it. Mark on a timeline. And they build this historical timeline of knowing the right thing to do and doing it. And it builds this amazing credibility. How to grow as a knower. Uh, Build a history with God of that. If you just always seem to have a gut feeling that you know the right thing, do it. Do the right thing, and you'll build a history of of God of doing the right thing, and you'll have this long timeline of trust established in knowing God. Also, know what he's already made known in his scripture in order to filter what you think you know. You're going to think you know something, but if it is in opposition to what he has already made known in the scripture, you might have known incorrectly in the moment. Also, knowers, stay humble because there might be that one time in 10 that you are wrong. Maybe, possibly, knowers. Now, maybe you're not a knower. Maybe you're not a hearer. Maybe you are a seer. You think in possibility, you are a hope filled visionary. You can see what the future could look like. You are a big picture person. You struggle with the everyday today details of life and how to get that done. But man, you can see the goal. And you don't understand why nobody else can see it. Look, this is what it could be. This is what it should be. Why doesn't everybody want it to be? Well, everybody else is in the day-to-day details. You, you, You suck at that. But you are great at the big picture. It's a God given thing. You often see in pictures, in visions. God trusts you with big dreams. And sometimes in the academic world, and even in the church world, and even in the out there world, what is celebrated are people that know how to check boxes off of a list. I am married to a seer, and can I just celebrate you and tell you the world needs more visionaries that are full of hope and can create and bring life to what are words on a piece of paper. They can bring life to it. You are a seer. In the book of Acts, it says that in the last days, Young men will have visions. That means you guys in the room, get ready. You're going to wake up in the middle of the night one day. You're going to wake up in the morning one day. And you're going to go, I don't know exactly what that dream meant, but I know that God wants me to remember it. It's for something. It's meant for something. It's going to point me in a direction someday that I may not even know yet. I think that God wants to do a new thing in our nation. And I am, I am talking, having conversations with people all over the nation. And this is happening. This is happening. Believe it or not, it's happening in the Wesleyan world. Visions, dreams being given to students, to young men, young women. because God wants us to see what could be. How do you grow as a seer? Write down what you see. Like the try and describe it as best you can. this picture in your head, this thing you imagine, write it down or if you hate to write, just get it out, tell somebody. And I mean, I've had some dreams in my life and they were weird. And I knew if I tell somebody, they're gonna think this is crazy, what does this mean? And But I just knew if I didn't get it out, if I didn't tell somebody, if I didn't verbalize it, it wouldn't feel as true to me, but I knew it was a dream from the Lord. I knew it was a, it was a seeing kind of thing. So I sat down with people I trust, I said, I had this dream, you're gonna think I'm weird, just go with me on it and verbalize it to somebody. If you're a seer, ask yourself, "How can I prepare myself for what I've seen? Is there some action that I can take now for what I think could be? How can I prepare now? And you don't have to know what everything means, but you need to speak it out loud, because you need to find accountability to actually follow through on what the dream was. Now, maybe you're none of those here, or knower or seer. Or. Maybe you are that final one. What I would call you're a feeler. You feel. Feelers are. Um, I love. I love these people. Um, I'm actually uh, not typically this, um, but they're so in tune to the supernatural environment. They're used to being interrupted by God in a moment. They pick up on spiritual moments that most people miss. They have powerful encounters with God through worship and the Word. It's just so powerful. In fact, you look at feelers and you will dismiss them as being overly emotional when really they're just a feeler and they're experiencing God in a way that is unique to them, that is different than you. And now here's the caution to the feelers. Sometimes feelers have a really hard time functioning in life when things don't feel right. Right? When you walk into a room and it feels dark or it feels like something's wrong and you don't know what to do and so it sort of overwhelms you and you, and you just sort of it incapacitates you and you have to learn in life as a feeler to choose joy. It's critical. It's important. God speaks to you as a feeler. Um, he helps you experience the very emotions of himself. It's his word to you. You get to feel with him. It's a beautiful thing. How to grow as a feeler. Anchor yourself in who God is and not what you feel. Ask yourself, am I feeling a way that's consistent with God's character? Like, I sh- it, you know, if you're feeling vengeful, eh, you know, I mean. And then pray until there's joy. Also, I would say... Um, Note that what you feel sometimes might have nothing to do with you and everything to do with who you're around. And you gotta, you got you to gotta filter through that and decide that. Now, whatever language you speak, whatever one it is, just know that God speaks it. Just know. And, and he might speak to you in multiple languages, and, but there's probably one or two of those that are your primary ones, probably. There's probably a couple of them that tend to be the way you hear from God. But whichever way is you, just lean in. Lean in. Don't wish you heard like someone else. Don't hope you hear like someone else. Lean in. It's how he made you. It's how he wants to commune with you. It's how he wants to talk to you. So deeply lean into that. Now, is it the Holy Spirit or myself? So you might be one of those four. But really quickly, when you still can't tell, when you still can't tell what to do with the decision that's in front of you, here's a few things to ask yourself. You, you think that you might have heard from God. You think maybe God's calling you to ministry. You think that maybe God's calling you to this career field. Maybe you think God's calling you to do this or go here or be this. And you think you've heard from God. Um, ask yourself these questions. Number one, does it agree with his word? Because to start hearing him, well, you've got to read what he's already said. There's a general will of God for everybody in his word. You know, should I have sex outside of marriage? No. Should I forgive? Yes. I mean, there are just things in God's word that apply to all of you. It doesn't matter. It's all of us. But then there are specific things that apply to only you that you won't read in scripture. Yes, you should major in this. It's not going to tell you that. So there are specific things in the specific will of God for you. So the general will of God does it agree with God's word, but for the specific decisions, Question number two, will this choice, if I do this, will it make me more like Christ? Philippians 2, five: you must have the same attitude, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Will it produce these things? By the way, for it to produce those things, it will be painful, it will be hard. So, will it produce these things if I make this choice? The third question to ask yourself, do other believers confirm this in me? I'm saying I wanna do this. Do people that love Jesus and love me, do they agree that this would be a good thing for me? Don't just go ask people that are gonna agree with everything you say. They're not going to be helpful to you. Do not go looking for affirmation. Be willing to ask people that might ask you some hard questions to always choose that sanctification process over the affirmation process. People who love you, people who love Jesus, what do they say about it? And the fourth question, is it consistent with my gifts, personality, and abilities? Um, Some of you have been told you can do anything you want in life. Not true. I'm so sorry. You have been lied to. And if you doubt that, just watch the tryout shows from American Idol. Am I right? We don't... We cannot do anything we want to do. I am not gifted. I would love, in my, in my other life, somewhere, um, I would love to be a backup dancer for Beyonce. I just would. I would love it so much. I believe I would be amazing. She has not called. Now, I'm telling you the honest truth. This is really what I have dreams about. Don't judge me, whatever. Now. You cannot do everything you want to do. So if you feel like God has asked you to do something, if it is not consistent with your abilities and your personalities, and if you're not like, if nowhere, you know, you, it has to be, all right? Question five, does it concern me directly? If you feel like God's told you something, you know, God will speak to you way more than he will speak to you about other people. If you think that God speaks to you about other people more than he speaks to you, you are a gossip. It's true. God always seeks to transform us first. Now, he may give you a word about another person. That's, that's very, very true. And people have given me words uh, for other people and people and given other people words for me. But it's always usually somebody I'm in a close relationship with. I'm in a depth of relationship with, uh, so I'm just saying, be cautious. And then finally, is it convicting rather than condemning? A word from God should convict you. It should never shame you. A word from God will tell you, you are more than what you're doing. A word from the enemy will say you can never be more than what you've done. There's a difference. Uh, my 13 year old daughter came home one day, they go to a private school and she came home one day and told me that she'd gotten in trouble for swearing in class uh, that she had, and I won't say in here because I will filter, I do have grace, uh, that she had been saying the S word at school. So. She came home, and, she, and she's telling me, she said this. I'm like, why are you saying, what, what? You know, why? And she's like, uh, well, you know, I don't know. It just kind of came out. This boy made me mad, and I just said it. You know, Mom, and I don't really want that to be part of what I say all the time. I feel like it doesn't make me sound any smarter. I go, well, it doesn't really. Um, and she goes, I just wanted to tell you because I just felt really guilty, and I just felt like I needed to tell you. And, and, I, and she goes, are you mad? Are you going to punish me? I go, no. no I'm not going to punish you for it, but I will tell you this you're right. You're above that. You just are. You're smarter. You're smarter. You can find a smarter word, a better word. That's what God says to us. He goes, you know what? If you're a believer, you're not punishable, but you're better than what you're doing. You're more worthy than what you're doing. And finally, the last question for a word from the Lord is, do I sense God's peace? You, you might mistake discomfort and fear for a lack of peace not the case you can actually be peaceful and still nervous and afraid simultaneously do I sense God's peace and how he wants to move me forward so these ways of hearing God's word and these questions they're only as helpful as you apply them I would invite you to take some time and sit in them at some point this week let me pray for us Heavenly Father, I do pray that you would speak to each one of these students uniquely and differently who they are, Father. That you would make yourself real and tangible to them. Thank you for being here with us today and for your glory alone, we thank you. In your name, amen. See you tonight.